Hello and welcome to Courageous Conscious Conversations. My name is Colby and I'm here with Sean Bennett, the founder and director of Isla Academy in Cabarete in the Dominican Republic. Sean, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, and about Isla. Well, thanks for having me, first of all, Colby, a uh, longtime friend. Um, well, I'm, I've been in the DR for nine years. I've been an international educator for about 22 years, I think. Uh, I'm originally from the States, from Georgia, and um, I've worked in South Korea, Vietnam, United States, Thailand, Laos, Tanzania, Dominican Republic. Um, and Dominican Republic's been the home for the last nine years. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a lot of traveling. I mean, I, I, I imagine that I've done a lot of traveling, but uh, you might have me beat there. I, but I, did, I didn't get out of the country until I think I was in the States until I was 27. Yeah. Well, you're so, making up for lost yeah, time. Yeah. It it's like. since then that I really just started hitting yeah. the road. And what brought you originally to the Dominican Republic? Uh, the school that I worked for in Tanzania, the headmaster there... Um, who was a mentor of mine, Dr. Jose Gabriel Maldonado. And he was hired to be the first director of the, the Dominican Republic's first gifted and talented mm. public school. So while I was still in Tanzania, I had my first child at the time, and he and I stayed in close contact. And he said, come help me with this project. And wow. I was excited to be actually this close to my family, as mm. far away as we are, but still pretty close. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that brought me here. And then we did that for two years and started Isla two years later in 2015. Very cool. Was that a, a dream come true? Was that the first school that you yourself founded? Sort of. Um, the school that I was running in Tanzania was, um, I was the first, the first head of school of a brand new campus. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of experience in what it feels like to start a school from the yeah. ground up, but it was the satellite campus for an existing school. Right. So there was a lot of infrastructure behind the scenes. Certainly there was enrollment already there waiting once we built that campus. That helps. It was a, yeah, it was a big one. Um, but yeah, you know, just, just from setting a school culture, uh, designing, the way a school runs, building a team there, and, and you know all those things. I got to learn those on the ground. That was a wonderful experience. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And what lessons did you learn from that experience that might have helped you with uh, founding and creating Isla? Um, that, um, okay, I'd say two off the top of my head. One, that everybody on the team has to share some vision. And how you figure out how to unite your team under one vision uh, is one of your challenges. But it, there's got to be something that everyone's talking about and building towards. So that was, that was one big thing. Uh, and then the other was um, anytime you're starting a new school, there are lots of gaps. There's lots of holes. There's going to be lots of things that are not developed. You cannot foresee every problem. You cannot have a policy for every potential thing mm -hmm. that can happen. So the only way to kind of alleviate the big stuff is to make sure you have very strong relationships yeah. with everybody there. And a great advice that I got from my mentor, I remember I called him up the, the night before the first day of school and I said, right, we're ready, I feel ready. <laughs> you know, the rooms are set up and, and the rosters are ready. Uh, any final advice? And he said, stand out in the street, 
at the front door mm. in the morning, greet every single person, be there at the end mm. of the day, do that every single day. Uh, so that when there are these small problems that arise or people feel like they want to speak to you about anything, yeah. that you're always present and there. And I just kept that forever. Fantastic. Yeah, I've noticed that myself. Uh, you know, I, I, it's something I'm so grateful for, uh, that your presence, your connection to the students, to the parents, it builds a lot of trust and, and confidence uh, so that, you know, because in life, Problems and challenges are always going to arise. That's not something we can avoid. It's how we respond to those, how we deal with those. And a lot of that really starts with the foundation of trust. So thank you for establishing that. There's an assumption that there's going to be problems when yeah. we're kids, right? Like yeah. we, we expect them yeah. to experiment, to cross the line, mm -hmm. uh, to mess up. I mean, that's why they're here. And if their only interaction with you is based on their failure to meet some expectation Ooh. and not previous relationships, checking in with them, knowing who yeah. they are, then it's quite difficult to, for them to trust you also. The yeah. kids have to be able to trust your word, know that you're coming at them from a good place. Place of love, yeah. punishment. I think, um, and particularly when it comes to, to rules, you know, mm -hmm. so often the more developed that you might see a school system or the larger it is, the more rules and more policies that have to be put in place because there's so much fear of, you know, someone violating, hurting someone and, and taking things and all these things. So you want to prevent that. And so you, you create this abundance of, of policies and rules and then it ends up placing like the educator and the student in this combative relationship mm -hmm. where you're sort of looking for... Mm -hmm failure to meet it and we just took a very opposite approach and we were very lucky to be able to do it where we just kind of limited ourselves to hardly any mm. real strong hard and fast rules you have three hard and fast rules but beyond that everything happens through conversation mm. we don't do detention here uh you know we don't have kids writing a hundred times i will not do that again yeah. or anything like that it's a lot of a lot of um, connection and conversation. We involve students in the process and it can be slow and tedious, but we're lucky that we have a school that's a size where yeah. that's the way we do it. Same, yeah. same way you might do it in your house. You know? I, I'm super grateful for the, you know, so many studies have shown that classroom size and student to teacher ratio uh, really is a major factor in the quality of education as well as not just the education, it sounds like the experience of the education, because it's not, for me, it's not only the amount that our kids learn or how well they will do on a test, it's how well they become prepared for life. Uh, it sounds like they're able to get a lot more of that in this sort of system. I mean, there, we, we really want our kids to feel safe. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's provided to them for people, by people who care, right? When they know that someone cares about yeah. them, when they know that someone's paying attention to them, when they know that our responses are not just coming when they mess up, as, mm -hmm. you know, which is so mm -hmm. often, right? You, mm -hmm. yeah. um, it, you give them this, a little bit of a net, um, yeah. much like an acrobat, you know, right? To, to, to take a little bit of a risk, to understand yes. that uh, if they fall, that someone will be there to guide them. But... It, the really best, the best conversations, the ones that I remember the most, the times I messed up when I was a kid, uh, 
They never are the ones where someone brought me in, screamed at me, gave yeah. me this harsh punishment, and then taught me my lesson. It's like, Oof, it's the what teacher kind of who... What lesson did you get taught? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I still remember, you know, in high school, you kind of come in, and you put your head down, you sleep through a class, and things mm. like that. And I still remember uh, Mr. Bryant, my math teacher. He, he, didn't, he didn't make a big deal in class. He didn't embarrass me in front of anyone. He mm-hmm. found a moment to pull me outside. And he just said, are you okay? Like, you yeah. look tired lately? And I just had never had, wow. like, a person... He, he just seemed concerned. He wasn't angry with yeah. me. He should have been, honestly, yeah. for sleeping through his class. And then it made me realize, oh, he, he cares. Yeah. And I, that energized me, mm. you know, when I'm being in his class, to know I'm in a place where the teacher cares for me. <sighs> and, and when you know that someone cares for you then that brings so much of your own natural caring energy yeah. also to, to the surface and you're able to express that. And yeah, I mean, one of the things that's like unique about Isla is that we have this mass mix of cultures. So we have about 35 different countries of kids wow. here. We put them in spaces where there's different age levels, there's different uh, beliefs, there's different parenting styles, there's different learning styles and so they're kind of constantly engaged in situations where there's potential conflict because two people are mm-hmm. different and come from very different places and uh, so through, through kind of modeling that with the students and then modeling that with each other what we've seen also is that maybe one of the bigger things they learn here when they move on to some other places like who they really are mm-hmm. because there's not this need to be like some norm there is yeah. no norm here there's no norm so mm-hmm. you just are asking yourself okay well then who am i actually right. i'm the only guy from kazakhstan mm-hmm. or chile yeah uh, i'm the only you know this is the only one and so I don't need to wear the same things as these kids. I don't need to speak the same lingo. They just are asking me to kind of authentically be myself. Then when I go back to my home country, I, I'm not trying to be like everyone else, right? I'm yeah. not going to be like, well, how do I fit back in? That's not an attempt to do it. Mm-hmm. You go back, you're sure with who you are, and people tend to uh, gravitate and mm-hmm. trust those of us who are kind of being real. Yeah. And so we actually have a student who's coming back to visit us tomorrow. Uh, Russian girl, grew up in the Dominican Republic, moved to a 2,000-person public school in Akron, Ohio. Wow. In high school. And you could imagine, like, how's that work for (laughs) you? And uh, she's been, like, phenomenal there. Yeah. Because when she got there, everyone goes, oh, this girl knows who she is, Mm. right? (laughs) She's fine. She's cool. What's her story? Let's find out about her. Mm -hmm. And so all of that, like, trauma that most of us remember from high school and middle school, that started feeling, that's less prevalent for her. And then she's able to kind of put Mm. more of her energy into the types of things that that should be the focus in school, which is challenging ourselves academically and athletically in, in those ways. Mm, I love that. And as you were saying that, I was, I was reminded of a beautiful poem by Marianne Williamson uh, in which she encourages you know, people to really let their own natural light shine 
And by doing so, we unconsciously liberate others to do the same. And, and I love when, when you were talking about this girl who's going and showing up in her authenticity, which is a courageous act, a very brave act, because if we show up as our real self and we are not accepted, that's our real self mm-hmm. that is rejected, um, as opposed to an image which might sting a little less. Yeah. Uh, but when somebody does show up in that act of courageous authenticity, and other people see it and they see how good it feels for them, then, then it, uh, it, it, gives them a, it gives them permission yeah. and encourages, incentivizes them to say, I can do this too. And <clears throat> not only will I not be rejected, but I will shine and, and flourish. It's like so much of what we worked for, we work hard for, we work overtime, we save money. It's like, if you really think we get, we get a degree in something or a lot of it is really like why are we doing that well i if i as soon as i achieve that i'll be able to truly be <laughs> myself you know i'll be able to relax i won't have yeah. to play anyone's game anymore i'll have enough money to tell people mm-hmm. whatever i really want to mm-hmm. say it's like it, the problem is that we get so stuck in that that we never find that place yeah. and then we look back and and say, if I have any regrets, it's just that I didn't hmm. do that. And, you know, a beautiful thing about what's happening with kids nowadays, like, uh, I think you and I have talked about this before, uh, there's, there's much to uh, criticize like social media for and, and other things like that, but it gives an opportunity for people to make connections uh, to, to others that are nowhere near them and it allows a student to not feel so alone if mm-hmm. they are unique or individual mm-hmm. if they have a particular way of thinking or something that they're into or a style and they can find like a community quite quickly and just yeah. feel like okay I'm not the only like weirdo here mm-hmm. in small town Georgia where I'm mm-hmm. from who thinks this way and that is empowering like students to be and ki- like kids and adults to just be like okay a little bit more real with themselves and it turns out like a lot of the kids i mean another thing that i believe is positive about it is that you can say that there's a lot of fake on there and it's true mm-hmm. it is true but there's also like a real attraction to people who are just kind of themselves yes. people are just like so hungry yes. for someone who's not faking that and um, mm. at least those models exist for us to show the kids and be able to say like there is a way for you to just be as weird as you want to mm-hmm. be and still I, I don't even want to say and still be accepted there's be a way celebrate to, it yeah celebrate it yeah. exactly yeah and and that's what we all really want to do is we want to celebrate ourselves and be celebrated by others uh, and, and, you know, that can go down back to, you know, historical roots of being accepted in a, in a tribe so that, you know, if you're accepted in a tribe, you'll feel safe. Um, but it really, you know, when a, when a child feels that who they are is beautiful and they see the beauty in it, then they will invest their energy into it. And that's when they will, you know, really shine and flourish. And I like how you mentioned that really resonated with me about social media to see the positive aspect in it. Um, I, I consider social media to be just like any other tool. It can be the, uh, the, the, its effect and impact 
is more related to the way that it's used than to the tool itself. So a shovel, for example, could you know dig holes in the ground for for farming and planting, which you know sustains and nourishes life. Or you could hit your neighbor over the head with it and take away life. Social media, the same thing. It's going to. It's a very powerful magnifier of the consciousness of the individual using it. Uh, but you know that can be in a in a destructive way, or you know it can magnify the inauthenticity, but it can also magnify authentic expression and, and bring people together. So I, I really like how you uh, illustrated that. Hey, I was going to ask you what you thought, uh, like, where it comes from, um, the feeling that, I mean, I know that I felt it a lot when I was a kid, of the desire to fit in, <sighs> and, and what you think is the root of that. I mean, you mentioned there are some evolutionary mm-hmm. reasons behind that. There's evolutionary reasons to imitate mm-hmm. others who appear to be doing well. Obviously, yeah. that's how we survive. Someone's yeah. farming mm-hmm. that way. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it that way. Someone mm-hmm. walks this way. That seems, I'm going to. I'm going to learn from that. That there's a lot to 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 be said about that. But this kind of feeling of um, I am willing to reject things that I like or do things that I actually don't like mm-hmm. as long as no one will just kick me out. Yes. Yeah. The group. You know, belonging is one of the critical essential needs that a human being has. Uh, and, and I believe, uh, that it really, it really starts as, you know, in the infant stage, the, um, when, a baby is around its parents or even uh, other family members or, or friends uh, of the, the parents, the, the social network they're exposed to, babies are really intelligently programmed to respond to cues in their environment, the facial expressions of their parents, uh, the attention of their parents, uh, and the, um, the consciousness, the energy of their parents. So from a very early age, it's imprinted on us uh, if we act a certain way, if we behave a certain way, we will get a certain reaction. And if the reaction we want is attention, because our parents' attention for us at that age is safety. Uh, so we're very dependent upon our, uh, the attention of people around us from a very young age. And I think that even continues through childhood uh, at, at a point when we're not able to take care of our own needs or protect ourselves per se, uh, we depend on other people liking us enough so that if a bear comes out running out of the woods, uh, if, you know, we want that, that parent or, or uh, you know, tribal member or the, the, the adult in the room to care enough about us <laughs> to pick us up and run away with us or to keep feeding us. Uh, so it's, it's, it's definitely, I think there's a survival aspect. Uh, but then, that, we, then we keep doing it. And we, I mean... Keep doing it into our into our sixties. Yes, people. yes, it imprints early on, and then kind of like a vestigial or, vestigial organ, it continues. It sticks with us even past the time that we grow up, because it's not like our brain can just uh, toss that away. You know, we it, it's uh, if you have an outdated program on your computer, you can delete it and and, and erase it. Uh, our brain doesn't necessarily work that way. Uh, so, so we can rewire our brain, we can learn new habits, and we can also 
I think, identify that the mind, the ego, the amygdala, you know, the, the fear center is having this impact on us. Uh, we have to be able to, to, to recognize that and become aware of that in order to understand when it's rearing its, uh, its head. Um, and I've had a lot of experience in my career uh, training people, uh, you know, on, on flying trapeze dealing with a lot of that natural fear, which is very understandable. And something that I've found is when, <clears throat> when you acknowledge the fear and embrace it and express gratitude to the fear, you can then also introduce, instead of trying to suppress the fear, you can introduce another component, which is as an adult, <clears throat> you can kind of reparent yourself in a way and introduce like safety an awareness of safety into the awareness of possible, you know, the fear is an awareness of possible danger, and you can hold space for those two things together. And I think that for me has helped overcome some of that, uh, <clears throat> those habits from early childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I, at least I'm, I, 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 I'm honest in saying like, I caught myself as I said earlier, looking for setting some sort of ambitious goals in my life, but then kind of looking back and saying, it's really just this desire to be myself. Mm. Um, once I did get this, then, then I can be that. Once yeah. I do this, then I can, I can be that. I want, you know, I don't have to worry. It's like every time you reach that level of, uh, that you achieve that goal and then you go, I still can't do that because, mm -hmm. like, now, I'm at, now I have a new group of people that mm -hmm. I'm hoping to uh, accept me. And, and I try to look at to what extent I was doing that as a school leader because you, you, you play such a big role in the lives of a kid. Like, you don't, it's not everything, but you're, you, I can make decisions about many things that can have pretty big impacts on the way the kids feel every day. Um, and if we're ever doing things that are trying to push students into fitting mm -hmm. in a mold that is anything that's not themselves, then we have to really check that. And it turns out like a lot of yes. the, a lot of the basic structures of education do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that they're done intentionally. And I certainly don't mean to, to say that there are teachers out there that are, that are, uh, tacitly or like wanting to participate in that. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people that do their very best within it, but then when they find themselves in that situation, they still, they still are having to, to, to be a, a member of that. And it's endemic to the system. Yeah. And it's like, um, so almost every thing that we, every decision that we made in the buildup of, of, of ESL had to be connected to when someone would say, well, in these other schools, they do this. Or in my old school, we did this. Or every mm -hmm, school I've ever mm -hmm, been to mm -hmm. did this. Yeah. I would have to say, okay, then that means yeah. we should, that's a big one that we should address. Perhaps mm -hmm. it's worthy of, of consideration. And that doesn't mean we've destroyed every single thing, but like at the end of it all. You want to at least examine. Yeah, things. examine. And also like um, I, I, I was finally like able to, put it well lately, which is that I used to bring in families or teachers or whatever and talk about all the things that we did that were different and the programs that we do and like just the cool stuff that I thought was super mm -hmm. interesting and unique about us. 
And then just recently I was able to sit down with this mom and I just said, if, if I want to be honest, the, the truth is uh, our success comes from the things that we don't do. Mm-hmm. We just look at stuff that we think causes damage to kids over time and we just pull back. We don't that. ask kids to be any particular level at any particular time. We can communicate kids the reality of where mm-hmm. they're reading at. Mm-hmm. That doesn't need to be communicated in such a way that they feel that they're ahead or behind of yes. any particular benchmark. Um, and the same with the teachers. Like when you pull that pressure off the teachers, they pull it off the students. And then this magic starts to happen where you find kids like willing to take huge risks or willing to take on huge challenges. Mm. And, and many of those measures that are supposed to be, um, measures of what's considered a great school, those things can still exist. Those schools, things can still happen. Kids go to successful careers or go to great universities or whatever, take these standardized exams, but they do it from a place of their choosing, mm-hmm. right? Rather than if I do this, then I'll finally be yes. accepted. Yes. And we're, we're at a, like a stage in our development at Isla where kind of our very first students seven years ago, uh, the, the bulk of them are just like in their freshman and sophomore years of college now. Yeah. So still young mm-hmm. and still kind of going through, you know, all, all of that. If you can remember being 19 or 20. But I, I, I often think like, what will it feel like when we talk to them when they're a little bit farther on, when they're, when they're 28, when they're 30, mm-hmm. when they're starting to enter those phases where... Um, they're beginning to accept like who they are really because I think at 19 you're probably still you're still experimenting yeah. with your personality once they get there and then they look back and say you know what was it that that you know allowed me to feel comfortable accepting my own inadequacies or reflecting on decisions I made or taking risks and uh, I'm hoping that they're going to say you know, it wasn't necessarily a history class or an English class that I took, but more so I grew up in a place where people let that happen. They yeah. allowed me yeah. to be that. And, um, and that's honestly, like, if I attempted any other way in such a diverse population, I think we would fail at that. Uh. Um, I think it would be quite impossible to ask your kids to be just like my kids or my kids just to be like anyone else's kids. Um, Even though, I mean, our two kids have, they come from fairly similar, you know, backgrounds in many ways, but they still are so uniquely different. And uh, that's a beautiful thing, you know? It is. And I'm so grateful that you're here and that you're encouraging that, that you've provided that container for, for kids to truly grow into themselves. And, it reminds me, going back to earlier in the conversation, when you described your own experience of trying to do and do and do so you could get to the point of being who you wanted to be. And I've found, or I'm finding, that rather the opposite direction is, is much more effective. When we can learn to be, then the doing will happen organically and naturally and will be in alignment and in integrity with the being Mm -hmm. uh, rather than suppressing the being to do the doing to get to the being, which leads to a different being than we were trying to start with. And 
So uh, fertilize that soil uh, and then watch what grows rather than try to force something to grow and yeah. hope it matches. It, it's terrifying, but this is the same way with like love or something. Someone yes. goes like, as soon as you stop looking, you're going to meet mm-hmm. someone. And when you know, why is that? But it's like kind of true in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like as soon as you uh, stop trying to get this thing, then it will come to you. And, mm. it's, and it's all about, you know, being comfortable with who you really are. Be happy with just you. Yeah. And, and that is attractive. Like, yes. people are like, oh, okay. And I, I, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure, like, why that is such a common feeling, particularly in Western culture, of just, like, um, the, this fear, even though, I mean, it's so, it sounds so good, what you said. It sounds so good to just say, come, become comfortable with yourself. Don't worry about that achievement and this thing and then those achievements will come because you're because I think deep down you're saying so you're telling me that if I pull out of the rat race mm-hmm. that it that could potentially be like my key to happiness but if it's not and you're wrong <laughs> then I'm gonna blame myself and at oh, least now yeah. I can blame everyone else I can oh. blame you know, the guy who didn't give me the job or, or my parents for not raising me well enough or some something like that yeah. instead of like having to put it on myself. That takes a lot of courage. It sure does because that is a lot of responsibility that, that you know, if you only have yourself to hold responsible for something, it is scary because then if you fail, uh, that's on your shoulders. And, and we live in a world where uh, it is it has become very important, it's deeply embedded, to try to look good and avoid looking bad. And many people might prefer to fail with an excuse uh, than to take a chance of of succeeding without an excuse if we do fail. It's almost as if trying and failing has has become this like, uh, this dirty thing. Uh, For me, it's like trying and failing is the most beautiful thing in the world because it's truly trying and, and it's, it's teaching us to, we learn something from the experience and then we also learn how to get back up and keep trying again. And the greatest inventors and successes uh, routinely have the same story of this overnight success that took 10 years of yeah. failure in the, in the making. But you can't, you can't, if you think back to school, you're a top student in elementary school, you get straight A's, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and on in middle school, then you go into <sighs> high school and now you're in a competition for who will be the valedictorian, yes. right? You can't make a 95 in the class mm-hmm. because you might mm-hmm. lose to the next kid. And there is like a, an actual disincentive to, to do something that could potentially not work. Yeah. You know, you think about it. And this is some, when we meet a new kid and we're doing... Uh, presentations which we do every six weeks and so they're they're thinking about a project idea and it can be they they have something or we're, we're close to something that might not work and a big concern is well if it doesn't work then what, you know what will I show mm-hmm. and you go well you'll tell the story yeah right you'll you'll yeah. you'll show the process and yeah. and that'll be what you show yeah so document that mm-hmm. document what you're doing mm-hmm. talk all the, along the way and then you know at the end of it the seed that you planted it didn't grow mm. or it hasn't grown yet and that's okay 
as long as you can kind of like weave that that narrative into what you learned and I reflect that. on. But it, it it takes courage. But it, I mean, for 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 older students who join a school like ours, there, I often tell families that it can take like a month for every year mm-hmm. of to unlearn this type of schooling yeah. that they've had. It's like. And sometimes we're great students. Other students right away are like yeah. so happy to just do something yeah. different. But, you know, it, it does happen. And, and much like truly being our authentic selves and then finding happiness, a lot of times from our family situation, the families are not willing to say, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to mm-hmm. see what happens mm-hmm. if you, yeah. if we wait That's for you to risk. make that choice, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of the coolest, like most progressive school models that you find uh, around the world take like a, a pretty strong commitment philosophically mm-hmm. and, and, and because of that because there's an allowance of time and all that you, you, you have these amazing things can happen but the truth is the biggest block to that is that most people are unwilling to say I'm going to let my kid go out there wait for them to really start making the, the choices that they want to make and then I'm sure yeah. I trust that they're going to push them, you know, themselves to take on challenges to be a good person. When the truth is a lot of us are also parenting from a place where we're like, I'm a little bit afraid uh-huh. that yeah. they won't or I'm a little bit afraid that if it takes longer than I anticipate, then other people will judge my parenting yes. as well, right? My kid yes. is my... That is me. That's a reflection of the type of care I put into them, and I'm valued based yes. on their performance and, and all of that. And uh, yeah. and we we just routinely think so short. Like um, I I'll, uh, I often have to remind parents the vast majority, assuming a normal life, the vast majority of your relationship with your children will be when they're adults. Mm-hmm. Not when they're kids. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, really be, you know, you can mess up and your adult child will get it. Yeah. They'll understand the, yeah. the way you're going. They'll yeah. relate. They'll be your age at some point yeah. and you'll still be alive and you'll yeah. have a relationship with them. So that's okay as long as like you're coming from this place of care and love. Yes. That's what they're really going to remember. I get yeah. it. My parents didn't have enough money or I get it. My parents might have been too strict in this situation, but I get why they were that way mm-hmm. because... We don't know what we're doing either. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, if you're going to have that lifelong relationship with your, with your parents or with your teachers or classmates, it's because you know, they accept you as, as you are and they believe in you. And that's like someone that you just keep coming back to over and over again mm. and feeling like, you know what? I screwed up today. I'm calling my mom, you know, <laughs> because I know uh, I'm going to get real love and advice yeah. not like uh, a feeling of rejection yeah. which I think is like that's built into the system yes. in so many ways yeah um, so anything that we can do to push back on that um, I think is a, an effort well worth it well I, I have to say that as um, as a human being and and especially as a parent of children who are attending your school I am beyond, tremendously beyond grateful for everything that you have done to, to swim upstream, 
to break the ice uh, in a world that, uh, to create a market for this, to, to create a world in which uh, you're blazing the trail. You know, like <clears throat> if, uh, if there's three feet of snow outside, you're the first person who's going out there and treading in this deep snow to show that it can be done <clears throat> and in providing a, a inspiration for so many students to see and, and parents to see that students can thrive in this uh, because when the students who attend here are the most successful, most balanced, most you know, heartful and mindful and well-centered, uh, beautiful, vibrant human beings, uh, and people are gonna notice that and be like, well, wait, where did all of you guys go to school? And it'll be like, well, you know, ISLA or the Green School or any number of these progressive, you know, project-based learning, uh, self-directed mm -hmm. schools, uh, you know, of this nature of coming from a place of consciousness uh, and, and, and progressive, you know, uh, freedom, you know, to be yourself, authenticity. That's going to really set the tone for the next generation of education which is gonna have this model and say, well, this was clearly far more successful in so many ways that are important than, other, than previous systems of education. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day when, uh, when this is the norm. That's the difficulty of this type of uh, approach. Mm -hmm. It's like a permaculture approach mm -hmm. to education and child rearing, which is to say, we're going to do these things that don't show the same type of measurable results in the immediate yeah. that most people have previously evaluated, uh, but it's going to create this garden or this yes. uh, person, this adult who, who flourishes for a life, a lifetime. And, and we, we, we just, we, for, for there to be a sea change in terms of education where there's more of this, you're right, it has to take, it has to take a generation yeah. because so many of us, and it, so many of us need to see it happen right. others. Yeah. They need a lot of reassurance because mm -hmm. we come from this place like, I don't want to be the one to mess my kid up. Yeah. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the one to mess my garden up by trying this new gardening approach. Just give me this thing that everyone knows is yeah. going to work in the short term and yeah. that'll be fine. And, yeah. and so until you have these long-term results and when you create a situation like that then there's just going to it's going to take a, a period of time and um I do believe like uh, our ancestors had that time because they weren't being evaluated in that way, which is why so much, so much of the classical education was more reminiscent of this yeah. type of thing, mixed ages, much more project-based and inquiry where there was Socratic discussions and that type of thing. But as we got to a world where it was very fast, industrialized, mm -hmm. um, we just don't have the time for it. Yeah. And we'd rather be evaluated on you know, these little short blocks. Most, I often tell everybody, and I, as a, I taught in the public school system as well, if you're a fourth grade teacher, the most important measurement of your success is if your students are ready for the fifth grade. Mm -hmm. No one comes back and checks on your effectiveness as a teacher uh, 10 years later and measures those kids 10 years later. Yeah. It's just about were they ready for fifth. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you did a, a bad job, but it just means like you're being evaluated on getting them mm. ready just for the next year. 
in the same way when you're parenting, you're not just trying to get your kids to next year. You're yeah. thinking about like what they're going to be like when they're 45 and they have their own kids and they're going through, you know, relationship issues and all of that. So uh, if we could take that approach in all ways with kids and feel confident um, that we're doing it and we're not going to mess them up, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, then there's amazing things that can happen because it's not, it, we're not doing anything earth shattering. Right. We're teaching math and English and Spanish and sports and social studies and science. We're doing projects and arts and crafts and we're playing sports outside and walking lines in certain places and we eat lunch together and there's a lot of things that are familiar but just ultimately one thing that unites like all of our staff here, the families at this point is just this kind of belief that we trust that seed will grow into something strong if we let it and we don't overwater it or yeah. we don't, you know, yeah. put too much on it to I, get the analogy correct. I love it. Trusting nature to do what it's meant to do and trusting yeah. our children, uh, which is a hard thing to do as a parent. You know, you think you want to try to control things so you get the desired outcome, but I'm really learning uh, to, to put the more trust I put in them. Um, I think I I heard a quote by a a woman, uh, when parents stand down, uh, step back, children step up. And and that really resonated with me. Um, Lenore Skenazy, free range, uh, free range kids. Um, So uh, I'd like to draw this to a close. Uh, Sean, this has been absolutely uh, tremendous. I'd love to thank you again for everything you're doing for my kids and for the children. Uh, all the children here in the entire community and the entire world. Uh, and I'd love to uh, come back and do this again sometime. My if you're pleasure. Come see us. Eastlake Academy, Dominican Republic. Thanks so much and have a wonderful day. And thanks for listening to Courageous Conscious Conversations.